thing to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Remember, you can always listen online at our website, DePietro.com. Folks, visit the website. On the website, you'll see all our links to social media, whether it's Facebook or YouTube, Instagram, even TikTok. Plus, you if you want to reach me, that's the best way to do it. We have unique original stories videos content log on right at the website dipetro.com you're listening to the john dipetro show it's am 1380 99.9 fm you can always listen online at our website dipetro.com certainly seems like winter a little bit more on this tuesday january 24th happy birthday to my oldest sister jane gallagher but look at the snow there is snow on the ground i don't think it's gonna last that long and it wasn't a lot but it certainly makes it feel a little bit more like winter folks i want to um just start off and touch on you know where we are as far as the state and look at the amount of attention that they gave yesterday to this quote you know train station that's going to be in Central Falls, Pawtucket, and then going, uh, basically taking more people to work out of Rhode Island and into Boston. It was, um, I don't know, it was, and Governor McKee and all the leaders were there, and to me it was like something out of Little House on the Prairie, right? I mean, what year is it, in fact, that they're all excited about this, about a train station coming in? (laughs) a train not even anything high tech i mean you look on the news and they're they're talking about you know amazon's going to start doing drone deliveries and and it was such a huge deal the Pawtucket central falls transit center opens connects region to major hubs well you know what's what's the major hub providence my god this is like it's like an episode of andy griffith with mayberry when uh Andy and Barney are going to go have, they go to Mount Pilot and have lunch. And, and Barney, they go to a French restaurant. Barney insists on ordering in French, and he ends up ordering snails by accident. I mean, they were all gathered around. You, do you think, is this like 1830? Um, I, the train? I mean, again, I, I'm not knocking it, but notice that the, the train isn't bringing people in into work it's just getting what they're basically saying is all the people that commute to boston and leave their car in north attleboro or in attleboro now you can just leave it in protect central falls it still doesn't i i and, and just like the excitement around it you would think that this like you know the railroad came through it's kind of like um you'd see in the old west remember like gun smoke even though i was little i've watched the reruns but you'd find a ghost town and it's because once the you know the train went in somewhere else, it it no longer stopped, and people didn't go through there. But this was the Channel Ten piece on the big train station that left the station around 4:20 this morning, giving people a new stop on their commute or an easier way to get to Boston. The first trains of the day made their first stops at the Pawtucket Central Falls Transit Center Monday morning. One group of excited passengers set their alarms to be the first ones aboard. This is the first time we've had a new train station open in a while, and I wasn't going to miss out. You know, basically, uh, Monday morning, get up at 4 o'clock in the morning? Sure, why not? 
The $63 million project was paid for with both state and federal funding. It was supposed to be completed last summer, but was delayed due to labor and supply chain issues. It's estimated the station will see over 500 boardings each day. It'll be nice for people to be able to get to Boston without having to take the bus to Providence or to, uh, to Attleboro. Just being able to, you know, for a lot of people, walk here, get on the train and go where they're going. State and local officials took the train from Providence this morning to celebrate the opening with a ribbon-cutting ceremony. Senator Jack Reed says this will be a game changer for these cities and the entire state of Rhode Island. This is not just about transit. This is about economic development. This transit center will spur development in Pawtucket and Central Falls. Pawtucket Mayor Don Grebian says the station is already having a major impact on the city. Business and developers are already recognizing and investing in the new transit hub in the area and will provide easy and desirable what access a newspaper to stand? affordable development and rental costs. Hot it's dog stand? Our residents to Providence and Bossing Coffee? And introducing those, resident, those residents to us. In Pawtucket, Allegra Zaymore, NBC 10 News. Again, I'm not, I, I mean, what this really came down to was they got this federal money it was a very expensive project, as you heard. Uh, just another no-bid contract for the laborers to build. But then you look look at Wickford Junction, right? There was a lot of bells and whistles when that thing opened. And what has that resulted in? Nothing. I, I mean, has that brought economic development to Wickford? No. Has that rejuvenated the area? No. As a matter of fact, if you if you take the train from there, all this does now is more and more Rhode Island is really just a bedroom community to Boston. And they're going to make it easier. If you live in Pawtucket and Central Falls, we want to make it easier for you to get to work in Boston. <laughs> so you can so you can actually work there. They're not going to bring any jobs local. But, my God, the excitement. And not only that, they didn't time it correctly. And Governor McKee, they, then they were all waiting to take the train back to Providence, right? So they all got on at the Providence train station. They left from the state house. They take the, what I, I don't know, how long is it? Is it 10 minutes at the most? Uh, train from um, from Providence now to Pawtucket Central Falls. And um, and Governor Key wouldn't even wait, so then he just jumped in his SUV. Well, you know, that that's the problem. It is just easy that people then could just take their, their vehicle and their car. He couldn't even wait it out for that. They couldn't even plan it like that. You would think maybe, I don't know, just have a special train for everyone that took it from the state house to then just get it there. But then you you know you look at Wickford train station, that garage at the Wickford uh, Junction, Wickford train station, Wickford Junction as it's called. I I think that garage can hold thirty five hundred cars. And what has it ultimately been used for? It's really just been used for during COVID. And I've gone there. Uh, they test you there. You can drive up. You didn't have to get out of your car. You had to drive all the way up through the garage. It's a beautiful new garage. And you, they would do COVID testing. That's how they were utilizing the Wickford Junction. I come back to, I remember when that opened. What did they talk about? Oh, it's going to bring economic development. This is going to be huge for the area. Blah, blah, blah. Now, the problem with that is it doesn't even run on weekends. It... um. It's, it just then goes to T.F. Green. I have not heard about a lot of people. T Listen, I'm all for making it as easy as possible to get around. I get that. And less people on the road and, and so forth. But, you know, I, I, I also, there's still, 
Is there something that could take people and get them downtown? I don't see any effort is trying to try to bring in any any jobs, any companies. All they're seemingly doing is we accept the fact that most people in the state are going to work outside of the state. And so therefore, we want to make it as easy as possible and as convenient as possible for them to take a train and then go work in uh, in Massachusetts, in the in the Boston area, in South Shore. Now, again, for some people, uh, and I again, I, I know people that they, they drive at the Attleboro train station. It's right there. You take the last exit, exit 2A in Rhode Island. That's the same exit you take if you want to go to competition shooting supplies. And then there's the Attleboro train station. And there are plenty of people. They go there. Uh, it's more affordable. It's that much closer. And there's there's a lot of traffic. There are people. So maybe maybe now the people instead of going there, they'll park Pawtucket Central Falls. So, but I I, I don't know. Just the amount of money that was spent, I still come back to. Um, and I'm not saying everything has to be high tech, but the amount of excitement around that, I I don't know. Does that really breed economic development? I, I think you could make an argument an airport does, make it easier for people to get in somewhere. I believe they should do everything possible to improve whatever we're calling it these days. Rhode Island International Airport, TF Green, Hillsgrove, the airport, whatever. I also believe, you know, years ago there was, um, there was a, the head of the airport, Kevin Dillon, and he talked about something that's completely underused is the airport at Quonset. Quonset should actually be part of the the airport and you could run commercial flights out of there and out of Quonset you could run uh, international flights a big part of that is you have to have the runway a certain length uh, because of the the planes that are flying whether it's coast to coast or flying international they you know the larger planes they need a long runway and I know that's been an issue at uh at Hillsgrove at Warwick at whatever tf green a green airport so but that was never you know expanded i i thought that made the most sense where you get on a rail you want to talk about a rail where you take the rail uh many times you go to different airports whether it's you know atlanta's big on that i've um flown into denver actually even in germany where you you get on a, a rail car you ride for a while the airport is massive and it, it could have been a rail car that brings you could just call it like terminal c which is really quonset and then you know that's where connecting flights for people who just drive there and maybe once a day or twice a week or a couple times a week direct flights to london uh back and forth direct flights san francisco los angeles wherever expanded there everything i thought didn't have to go out of green but they certainly didn't do that. All right, folks, it's Tuesday. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Propane Plus in Rhode Island for all your propane needs. Call them 401-885-4209. In Massachusetts, you can reach them at 508-252-3359. Propane, heating and cooling, it's Propane Plus. Their team's been there three generations. They're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they plan on serving you for a long time to come. They offer online billing, 
ability to schedule your service delivery at the click of a button. And remember, all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment. It's Propane Plus. And remember, with propane, it's affordable, sustainable, equitable, good for the environment, and now it's renewable. Call Propane Plus today at 401 885 4209. In Massachusetts, call them at 508 252 3359. They're very easy to navigate website. It's propaneplus.com. Propane Plus. Call them 401 885 4209. Folks, you are listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11, we go until 2. Say in 1380, 99.9 of them. You can always listen online at the website, tepetro.com. Joining us right now, one of my siblings happens to be an independent columnist, opinion maker. It is Donna Perry. And DJ, I'd actually like to start off the situation, Massachusetts uh, rep, high level, but as a matter of fact, with Catherine Clark. And just so people, you know, it was a big football weekend and the Patriots aren't there. People get distracted, different stories. You had a situation down in Atlanta where they have some protesters, there's some land they mm-hmm. want to, you know, create in uh, a, a police training zone. So then you have some Antifa protesters and one of them actually shoots one of the police officers in, in Georgia. And so they return fire and <clears throat> kill the guy and the very violent protests in Atlanta over that individual. Well, close to the home, some members of Antifa decide to take to the Boston Common and uh, they start spray painting, and sure enough, you know, the police show up, and they're using some of the verbiage from Atlanta, not a cop zone, and, and they even mention RIP to the person, the Antifa member. And it turns out one of them happens to be the child, starts fighting with police at the common Saturday night, 9.30, and it is the child of Representative Catherine Clark. So now this was someone who was apparently – she had a baby boy named Jared, and then at some point has now been transitioning to be a different person. But th- this is a high, you know, yep. about just a rep here. Right. I mean, she is high up. They start to go through. I want to get your reaction to that. And I, I think it reinforces this, this negative attitude that the Democrat Party can't shed of they are the party of, you know, def- defund the police. And, and her child was arrested for assaulting a police officer. Yes, and good to be with you, John. And and you're right. Um, it's taken a kind of a couple of days. I think the story and these protests kind of were under the radar a little bit on the weekend. You know, it's busy winter weekend, um, and Atlanta kind of was making headlines. And it was a smaller coverage of a story in Boston on Saturday night here. And then now it has exploded when we learned that, um, you know, and by the way, Catherine Clark, John is now on the Dem side. She's like the number three person. So this is not yeah. a small no. office holder, by the way, um, which in my view means a lot of her words and uh, her attitude, I think carries extra weight. She is very high up there. And you're right. It took people by surprise, but it was actually for a short time. It was actually a very violent confrontation with Boston yes. PD Saturday yeah. night. It turns out. Um, and again, they were proudly saying that they are aligned with Antifa. Um, and so there's this whole back and forth about um, part of it is anti-police. Then there's this kind of, you know, long drawn out thing of that. I guess at some point, an environmental protester not here 
was, you know, that they're upset and someone had been killed by police in a very different confrontation. So it turns out who now proclaims to be the daughter of Catherine Clark was uh, originally Jared is, was really their son. And I say that because the court in mass used and put on, I believe all the charging documents has Jared. So, you know, and to be fair, this is the legal standing name of this in my view, very troubled young person, I think is 23-year-old. So um, this all occurs. They deface um, at the Boston Common. That is like a very well-known monument. And they deface it, first of all. The police get on the scene. You know, what are you all doing? And they were very, um, not just argumentative, and as the story has played out, he, she um, was really, John, went after the police yeah. in his face, yeah. struck at him. He definitely was bloodied. Right. Um, they had, you know, they were using, maybe they were protest gear, but it's, you know, it was, I don't want to say it was a gun, but they were using like, you know, something as a weapon to strike at the police and all this stuff. Mm. So at the time of the arrest, um, it turns out, and I guess goes by the name, Riley and Dowell, I guess, is that's probably the father, their family name. And Catherine Clark, you know, uses her own name, but sure. they are a Dowell family, you know. And, and again, it went under the radar, but it's not under the radar now. And I and so then, you know, Monday they hauled her in and she, you know, was um, appeared before the judge. Um, and then Catherine Clark, John, I, I think a couple of things on this, the demeanor of this now they're saying her daughter. Okay. The demeanor was almost like a young person to, to say that she didn't look in any way apologetic. I mean, it no. almost looked like John, when they, the lawyers work in overtime to say, please don't let her have an explosion in the yeah. court. You know, she really looked like they were like holding it together for her. Very right. Defiant. So very, very defiant. defiant, kind of odd. And yeah, like okay. a young teen temper tantrum. Right. And, and that kind of a thing, if you see um, the picture, the Twitter and, you know, what she uses online, this is a very angry young person, regardless of all the other stuff going on. Um, So they haul her in and I would just want to make a few notes, John, of, and I thought Catherine Clark's comments later are equally troubling because not only would she refuse to actually condemn violence against police, as I think you've pointed out, Um, And then, John, I thought it was also, you know, this is where I think women and they, you know, go up on a pedestal. And this is where I think feminism gets a bad name, because I felt at that moment, Catherine Clark was trying to almost play the mom card. And she was using this language of, oh, you know, this is when parenting is hard. (laughs) John, that's like if the child is in trouble in fifth grade or something and they... Right. Took a lunch from someone and you say, oh, parenting can be hard or you don't like the moment. I mean, this is like a major incident. You know, she was violently assaulting Boston PD at the time of the arrest. She's she's doing this obvious illegal activity. You're the third ranking Democrat in the U.S. House. And I'm sorry, she she needed to not play the mommy card. And she should have said, in my view, something a little more forceful and say, I didn't raise my kids to, you know, uh, hate law enforcement or, you know, and say, we, 
believe in respect for law enforcement. But uh, Catherine Clark would not say that, John. She would not. And asked if, you know, she condemned the violence against police. She said, well, you know, I condemn violence against everyone. That's along the lines. Yeah. I mean, it was people like her in the summer of 2020. And even to this day, they'd get so upset if someone said, will you agree? Black lives matter. And then they, and the person <laughs> said, well, I think all lives matter or blue lives matter or whatever. Right. I mean, I, but I think Donna Perry, you know, in a lot of other places, if she were not in Massachusetts, there would be pushback here. I mean, it's the Republican Party in mass. If they could get their act together, this is one of those issues that people understand. It's it's kind of good insight into who she really is. And um, I also found it interesting as uh, the door out of the courthouse, they weren't going to talk. One of the attorneys, the only thing they stopped to say to the press was, we, we want to make sure you're using the proper pronouns that oh. is, she goes by she and her, not he. See, I mean, that's right. And then even the Globe wrote, you know, Jared Dahl assigned male at birth. Well, I, are we saying that the doctors got it wrong in the, you know, in the well, delivery right. room? I mean, I have three children. You've given birth. It, it's generally this is... one of two ways. The doctor either says, hey, it's a brand new baby boy or they say, hey, it's a beautiful baby girl. Well, this She's is, you know, well, that was what Jared was assigned at birth. No, right. That's the gender that the child is. And this is, John, what is happening to young people, because they are hearing this from by the time they can remotely understand this age seven or eight, um, that you're assigned a gender which is biologically untrue, inaccurate, and should not be told to children. So there's this gross misleading of children. Mm. I feel very strongly about it. And I will yeah. also say that at that moment, um, I would also say that I thought Catherine Clark was rather nervy because at the end of this very, you know, odd, tense press conference, she's saying uh, something to the effect of, I'm confident in the legal system and I believe in equitable and fair outcome it will come well john oh. in my view i think that's a bit of an overreach yes. for a high-ranking public official yeah. i think that's inappropriate and i right. you know i i feel like that's a little bit intimidating to say yes. oh i'm sure there'll be a slap on the wrist for you know my daughter son person sure. yes. you know i just think it was way inappropriate for her to say something like that folks quick break much more ahead donna perry right here on the john DePietro show Next time you have an emergency, think AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Johnston. That's right in the Atwood Medical Center. And also, 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich, right across from Felicia's. AtMed Urgent Care, when you have an emergency, they specialize ambulatory medicine. They provide immunization, school, and sports physicals. At AtMed Urgent Care, they provide comprehensive outpatient health care to individuals families they're on duty at all times they're open seven days a week walk-in routine urgent care minor surgical now if you're in a car accident go to atman urgent care avoid the long wait at the emergency rooms they also do adult vaccinations laboratory testing atman urgent care when it's an emergency 1524 Atwood Avenue in Johnston. That's right in the Atwood Medical Center. And also 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich, online at admedurgentcare.net. 
We're speaking with independent columnist, opinion maker, it's Donna Perry. DJ, this next uh, topic I want to get your take on feedback is this story in the New York Times. And it is something that is going on right now. I know some people try to be in denial, but it, it is a battleground right now. And the battleground happens to be that it's the public schools, it's the Randy Weingartens, it's the teachers union, it's the politically correct. It is that teachers and schools feel that they have you know, no ob obligation to inform a parent whether or not if that child is now transitioning, wants different pronouns, different name. Um, and, and some of it, I've seen some of the stuff online where they try to say, oh, you know, it's not the teacher's fault if, if you're, you know, a lousy parent and that type of thing. This, this is real. This is going on where parents are kept in the dark, where with the help and aid of the school, these children are very seriously transitioning to another gender. And, and by the way, though, they, they're, they shouldn't be, they're not, they, I also use the word brainwashed. I mean, when right. you're talking about 11 and 12 year olds, yeah. um, the, all of this, in my view, which completely defies what, you know, child psychology and mental health for children, John, told and, and wrote about it was researched for 90 years, you know, and, and that 11 and 12 year olds, adolescents go through a period of understanding their own, you know, sexual identity and sexuality and all that stuff. I just think that there is no legal terrain by which the public schools in America think that they have the upper hand here. And I, I think all parents should be worried. Um, and it's not just the exact issue. They should be worried because you have a new generation of young educators who think they have every right, John, to almost separate children from the domain of their parents. And that is what's going on. I mean, when you talk about this language of saying, they're, they're telling children, children who are very confused by all this naturally, by adults spinning this, and they're telling children, like, maybe your home is not a safe place for right. you. Yes. Because your, John, it's, it, it's outrageous. I think ultimately it's going to have to go to the Supreme Court because, you know, at least up to now, we do have a 14th Amendment. There is a, a, a legal question here in the U.S. Constitution, and it, it really gets into the detail that a child's education, care, mental health, until they're 18, is in the domain of their natural parents. I mean, that mm. is in law, that is in the 14th Amendment um, and I think it's going to get extremely legal. You have, and, it, and the other thing about the New York Times piece that I thought was actually very revealing was that they did find many sets of parents, John, who consider themselves liberal in every other way. Yep. And they have a father. He has, and by the way, there was a, a case in Massachusetts where he did file suit because he, again, the 11 year old. Um, was being sort of encouraged by this and the pronouns. Um, a sympathetic teacher who would have to have been in what fourth grade teacher told and the, told the parent on the side and said, "This is an environment, and they're they're sort of encouraging your child." And I uh, commend that that teacher was legally fired by the mm. Massachusetts school district. And I commend that person, um, you know, the name escapes me, maybe, you know, you can read up on it. But that teacher said, I don't regret it, because she was taking 
a principal stand in my view. And so, you know, it's an amazing piece. I would encourage anyone to read it, but I think parents need to really understand this is not um, typical. This is not, you know, it's not a trend that you follow because you see, you know, goofy people who are very uninformed on TikTok, you know, like, right. like encouraging their son, a four-year-old to like yes. wear a dress um, no four-year-old or an eight-year-old, John, they don't come out as anything. They're a mm-hmm. child. And I, I, right. I, in my view, it's, um, I think it's a, a new disturbing version of almost child abuse to, to really, really try to confuse a child to that degree. And for the public schools, they want to go down this road. Yep. I think, I think you're going to see major legal lawsuit action. I think, Donna Perry, here's the question. You think it's a voting issue. I believe in the last election that, I mean, I, I had thought that's an issue that the Republican candidates, at least yeah. locally running yeah. for governor, whether it was Jeff Deal or whether it was Ashley Kalis, I just don't think they articulated it enough. Um, you know, it's one thing to throw out buzzwords about like critical race theory. But when you read that story, you know, one the, the mother said her middle schooler secretly changed names and pronouns without her knowledge, even though she was a teacher at the same school. And then when you hear about, you know, this, this child that right before graduation, she's asking, what what do you mean? I don't know about this. And then the the school says, well, we we didn't think you were going to be supportive enough is if they should be the one deciding it. It's outrageous. It's, it's, but it's more than that. And again, I would encourage parents, they need to wake up, they need to understand or if you're, you know, just at the beginning of your parenthood, um, I'm glad I'm not. Um, you know, I think it's a really, really um, dangerous, misguided road. Under some, John, it's just like this odd umbrella viewpoint that this is like tolerance for everyone. It's like, yes. no, no, you're, you're trying to confuse an innocent five, seven, nine-year-old. I'm Ooh. sorry. That is wildly inappropriate. It has nothing to do with education, nor do I think a public school district should overrule these most very personal uh, decisions of, of a parent. They, they don't belong inside your household, you know? Um, and, and so I, I do think that the Times piece, I will, I certainly don't agree with the Times on a lot of viewpoints, but I give them credit for exploring it. And they, one last piece on that, John, that I thought was notable that there is, ironically, this well-known clinical psychologist, Erica Anderson, I think yes. is the name, yep. who herself is an adult transgender person. Yep. Now, she has aligned herself with parent groups fighting it, and I'll give her credit. And she has said it is a large issue. This can be an irreversible, life-changing thing, yep. and that you do not push a child into it. And I would say just as a aside, like a Caitlyn Jenner, who I respect does say, this is not the domain of children to be left mm. with their own decisions on it. So it was very, very interesting where this is going. But Donna Perry, finally on this, what about that other teachers believe they have a moral responsibility to withhold such information? And the quote is, my job is to protect kids. And that comes from this Olivia yep. Garrison, who's a non of course in, in California you know that that is that is so unfair you know that father in Massachusetts the the, the little uh, child was 11 years old yep. and sixth grade teacher you know you're right confided to him and 
and the teacher got fired for it. So I think this is a voting issue if the Republican Party can handle it the right way, uh, as much as the other side. You know, I saw this. We saw this in North Kingstown where you have the kids identifying as cats and these people are coming out. (laughs) This is so unfair. This is mean. Uh, You know, you had people on what used to be Lively Experiment all agreeing, saying, you know, if a kid uh, let the kids just be kids, a big child wants to identify as a cat. That's nobody's business. It's oh my, it's ludicrous. They're missing the point that this is. And of course, Donna Perry, most of the time it's said by people who don't have children. And, uh, yes, who, I've this, pointed that out many times. Exactly. This whole business, though, of, um, you know, you're very judgmental and how dare you and these poor kids, you, you're not helping them. And these teachers, they, they, they're on a mission. And it's it's to undermine, you know, the parents. And you're right to, for the schools to say, well, you must not have a safe zone at school, a safe space because then the children don't feel comfortable telling you it. it it's just inherently wrong. And, and one last thing, John. One, one thing that was noted in the piece, although they wouldn't talk about, okay, the children's hospitals in this country, the major ones, including yep. Boston Children's. Yes. There is a dark side to this, John, and it's called money. And, and yes. no one wants to talk about that. Harvard Medical School coined the phrase affirm, gender-affirming uh, care, and, and this is all tied to extremely expensive, uh, what I think are obscene procedures to do to 13-year-olds and removing breasts. Life-altering, it is. Uh, You know what? I hate to say this. Boston Children's Hospital, I mean, they're seeing, you know, uh, a lot of money. And I think it's obscene because these are not things covered in insurance, nor should they be. There's a lot going on with Mm. this issue it's it's about a lot of other things. Um, and I think just, you know, you get some parents want to get wrapped up in the whole idea. It's like you, you let a young person grow up. If they're 20 and they say that they want to, you know, do this or that, I think that's different. Not if they're eight. No. Uh, folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Donna Perry right here on the John DePietro Show. For over 125 years, Ameriprise Financial has provided advice for clients' unique goals, help millions of Americans retire on their terms. Now, as we're at the end of the year, beginning of a new year, why not take advantage of our free consultation? Call Tom Bryan today, Ameriprise Financial, 401-434-1510. Offices located 400 Massasoit Avenue in East Providence put the strength of a leader in retirement planning to work for for you through a personal one-on-one relationship. Call Tom Bryan today, Ameriprise Financial Advisors, 401-434-1510. Get solid advice. Get a plan, whether it's for yourself, you and a spouse, maybe your children or grandchildren. Take advantage of this free consultation, Ameriprise Financial, 401-434-1510. Call right now, 401 401- 434-1510, Tom Bryan, Ameriprise Financial Advisors. We're speaking with independent columnist, opinion maker, it's Donna Perry. DJ, uh, the, the Biden White House, to me right now, they are fully engulfed in this you know, document scandal. Yeah. I, I'm going to also put the blame at the demeanor. This is a president who's so dismissive, whether he's a grouchy old man or whatever his problem is. But when you stand up, the way he did last week and say there's no there there and you know i have no regrets and everything else 
listen, this is embarrassing. It's not going away. You have yeah. Democrats like Joe Manchin, Dick Durbin speaking out. Uh, we, we, we have a problem. And I, I appreciate Joe Manchin saying, you know, both of them, both Trump and Biden. If, if Biden has them from when he was in the Senate, how, how much of this is going? <laughs> Some other members of Congress have it from when well, they were there. It, this document thing is very serious. Well, it's very serious. Then I also would like a little accountability with the, the you know, the um, higher than mighty National Archives people. Like, yes. who, who, who are these? You know, like, where are they? Do, don't they have a responsibility to work with the staff of an outgoing president or a vice president? I don't know. I don't know how all that plays out. But I think in terms of the way Biden's team has handled it, John, oh. it is astoundingly messy they're so sloppy with this. You have Corinne Jean-Pierre yeah, who, who thinks it's okay. Yep. And you know, JD, I'm sorry. You are the press secretary for the president. Yeah. You do not get to stand there and, and just swipe away everyone and say, you have right. to ask the DOJ, which yeah, is all ludicrous. Yes. All she does is that. And I would just yep. say on this, like with Biden, um, the more it's playing out and, and then you see a lot of the liberal you know, press, John, bending over backwards, saying his lawyers offered that the FBI would, you know, it's all this like nice language, like, oh, it's could, nothing, irrelevant. It's like, oh, it's okay if we do the search where, you know, it's a search for him, but with, you know, Trump, it was a raid, you know, yeah. it's like, yes. and so, you know, I, I look, I get it with Trump, that the thing is a big mess, but I do think for Biden, who had the day before the FBI goes into his house, John, you know, he's scolding, in my view, mm. the national media when he was out at some event and he's saying there's no there there. Like, you know, leave me alone about this. Do you think does this, Donna Perry, but does this impede on him announcing for or even running in 24? Your opinion? I, I think um, this slows it down. I do. Um, and I would also say, I think the more it's just that he doesn't do well when he feels a little under siege. And I also think this slows things down and it, it could. I'm not I don't think this is a deal killer. It, you know, if the story if they it, well, of course, he may get help from the national media making it look like, oh, it was all like all these mistakes were innocent. But I think, John, this will give a little bit of courage to I do. I still believe there are top Democrats. Yes, they're not. They're not out of the game. No. And they're going to run. Now, speaking of on the Republican side, Donna Perry, Peggy Noonan had a piece, George Santos, this pathological liar congressman uh, <laughs> from Long Island, ha has to go. Now, granted, some of the things he's involved in, if it was a Democrat, no one would be saying anything. He's in drag. Yes. He's married to a woman. Now he's gay. But the guy, he, he's definitely he's a pathological liar. If anything, it shows that the Democrat candidate did a lousy job in vet vetting him. But but Kevin McCarthy needs his vote. So at this point, wh what should happen here, your opinion, and what should the Republican Party do? Um, I would say as, he's a punchline at this point. Yeah. I mean, this stuff is laughable, but yeah. I would disagree with Peggy Noonan. And I would kind of say McCarthy does need him. They're only yeah. of that slim margin. Um, and, and to be fair to McCarthy, John, he was elected. So you, you right. don't just like call for a re-election it no. actually doesn't work that way right. um and to say that he should be stepping aside i i he's a punchline you know um i don't know though that they i think he, they just say look he 
he got in. We're, we're very unhappy with all this. And, you know, see what in two years, um, maybe the voters get rid of him. I think that's McCarthy's roadmap with this, yes. at least right yeah. now. Good point. You know, because you could go to the other side, Elon Omar and then that Talib yeah. and so forth. Some of the things they've done, that certainly didn't seem to be that the voters were weird. But I noticed today in the White House press briefing, uh, there's, I guess, going to new members of Congress are coming or they're having some event at the White House. And the first question was asked was, is George Republican Santos, is he attending? <laughs> is he going to be there? So, but <laughs> of course you watch him. He's, of course he's going to be there. But again, I, that, that he shouldn't, he, listen, he was elected. If he's got some problems, he can work them out. He's not going to be the first one, you're right, that ever's had problems up there. Um, then yeah. in two years, then they can run someone against him, or maybe he doesn't run. But for now, if he doesn't break the law or he, he did win an election, I don't think they are. Um, I, I think you're right. I don't think they are. Um, McCarthy has no. Saying, Go ahead. And, he, and he has no McCarthy has no obligation. You don't force a step aside. It's actually not no. that simple. Right. So I would think there has to be some a big movement in his own district. Yeah. Um, they could try a recall kind of deal. But that's up to those voters. That's what McCarthy's saying. I think he's right on this one. Yep. And then finally, uh, Donna Perry. So this weekend coming up this Saturday, President Trump has his first rally. In the oh. He's going to be in South Carolina. You know, for all the talk, he will have people there. Everyone, you know, you can't underestimate him. I know he's got some legal problems. If anything, he is, the, to me, the big winner with the Biden document scandal is President Trump. You can't. I, I'd like to see them now, to Merrick Garland, try to go after him now if it's what's good for the goose. So, you know, now he gets up and says, hey, they raided my home. This guy's got him next to the Corvette. Yeah, <laughs> I I think anyone that thinks that 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 is over, he has been laying extremely low um, so far. No one else, by the way, in the Republican Party has announced yet. I would look for, uh, as you're saying, I would look for he gets uh, a little bit of momentum out of yeah. this weekend, I think. One thing I will say, his, his timing, uh, his sense of timing and his sense of how the media is going to play things yeah. has always been really, really good. And yes. I think he, he did lay low. He's had all the bumps. And now I think he feels like, oh, well. And, and I think he does get to come out and say, oh, so we both have a special prosecutor, apparently. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, like so um, I would look for Trump to unless he's really lost the curveball, he may be, have been using this time. Maybe he's putting together a new team. I would, you know, for his sake, that's what he should be doing and not just think it's all him doing the whole thing. So we'll see. But um, I would never count him out. I agree with you. No, I think the, the Biden document scandal helps him. Folks, again, she is independent columnist opinion maker, Donna Perry. TJ, great job as always. Stay safe in the snow and we'll talk to you again. You bet. It's getting cold already this winter. Keep your family, your employees warm with Matthews Oil Company. Call them today, 401-942-7500. Matthews Oil Company, 24-hour emergency service. For over four generations, they make it easy to keep your home comfortable and safe. Trusted oil delivery. Call Matthews Oil Company today, 401-942-7500. You can find them online matthewsoil.com matthews oil premier dealer rhode island delivering the highest quality heating fuels at matthews oil they take pride providing reliable affordable service for you and your family celebrating 90 years of service call them now 
It's going to be a cold winter. Get that tank filled. Call Matthews Oil Company today, 401-942-7500. In an emergency, they offer 24-hour emergency service. Matthews Oil Company, 401-942-7500. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. You know, there's a a story uh, that's out there about Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. And it's it's really amazing how much he just, you know, there is an example of someone who just calls them like he sees them. And, you know, if, if anything... Um, just just absolutely you know identifies what in fact a problem is so um he he has come out the governor of florida and said he is targeting unions school boards proposed banning teachers unions from automatically deducting dues from paychecks imposing stricter term limits on school board members and allow school board candidates to reveal their political parties. You know, that just in, in what he is saying, that is, there is someone identifying what the problem is. You know, here we have a governor, as we've talked about, that it, it, they don't want to identify what's the problem. For instance, in, in, in the Providence schools, a, a huge part of the problem that no one wants to talk about it's like they won't list the word, but a huge part of the problem is, in fact, it's it's the teachers' union, right? It's not an accident that in the charter schools they can get rid of a bad teacher. In the charter schools, the principal is actually in charge. In the charter schools, they can work longer hours. The charter schools, they seem to be more of a dedication and a focus on learning and you don't have that you simply just don't have that because of the teachers unions but they skirt around it and none of the Rhode Island leaders seemingly truly have the guts to take them on so no one wants to in fact really address what what the problem is right they may they may talk about and try to go around it but no one will come right out and say you know these people are the problem that's the problem with the public schools they act like it's all just a a big mystery like gee this is so odd that how come we can't fix our school system and and the, the worst is the example in providence where it it's, it's as if they're all, it's the emperor has no clothes. No one will come out and address what is the real problem with why they can't improve the schools. And then you have someone like the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, that comes right out and talks about what it is. So, um, and it is that it's the unions have too much control period end of story it's just he he is not afraid to address it and i think this is really going to come into play in the you know you around here you don't hear anyone speak out 
about the power of the teachers' unions, how they're the problem, and how they are, in fact, blocking any progress with education at the Rhode Island State House or wherever it is. So now someone who's starting to talk about it a little bit, who is, in fact, aside from Governor DeSantis, who's talked about it, is former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. So CBS had a story this morning where he is right now looking at a possible run in 2024. I think that'd be a good thing. And I want to just um, play a little bit of this piece. Mike Pompeo. And yeah, great to be back. He's got a new book I'm in a fantastic mood. It's wonderful to be here. I'm glad, I'm glad to talk to you, but I want to start with this because it's been such a heavy day. And it seems like we have more and more of these stories every single day. I'm, it breaks my heart. It makes me ill. We're, we're talking, of course, about the mass shootings. There have been Teacher 38 unions? mass shootings across the country so far. In 2023, Mr. Secretary, that's more than the days yeah. of the, that we've had at the beginning of the year. What do you think needs to be done? And I know it's not an easy answer, yeah. but it's just something that you can tell us before we move on to your book. So I, I grapple with this when I was a member of Congress. These are tough problems. There's no easy answer. I, I think we're going to find that you know some of these were in California, some of the toughest gun laws in the exactly. country. My guns were probably possessed illegally, although I think we don't know all the facts yet. Uh, I think some of this is cultural. That is, we need to make sure that the family is, families are intact, that there are good mental health services available for people that are struggling. Uh, there's, I wish there was a simple answer. You know, I watch not only these mass shootings, but I watch uh, in the inner cities of America being a tough place where there's kids getting killed every night. Uh, um, we, need, we, need to, we need to be an America that understands that every life matters, and we need to make sure that we have support for our law enforcement so they can do their work well and support for people who are challenged so that we don't end up with precisely what we've seen exactly. just these last couple and days. We say all the time, nobody wants to take uh, guns from responsible gun owners. And the Second Amendment back then, they were talking about muskets. Yeah. The hardware that we see on the streets, we've got to figure out a way to do something, but we're not going to solve that here at this particular time. Let's talk about your book, because some people view this book as an opening argument for your uh, declaration of presidency, of the presidency. What do you say to that? You, no, that, you said you're considering yeah. it. How close are you to making it? So as for that, uh, Susan and I are thinking, praying, trying to figure out if this is the next place to go serve. He's running. We haven't come to that conclusion. We'll do but so. But how close are you? We'll, we'll, we'll figure this out in the next handful of months. Uh, but that's not why I wrote this book. He's uh, running. The book was actually supposed to be out in August, but the author was tardy in getting the manuscript completed. Mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to tell the story from my perspective for four years of the Trump administration and our effort to put the American people at the front of American foreign policy, how it matters to every American. You know, when you talk about Taiwan or this Moscow, like it seems like a long ways away. But I wanted to share with the American people that it matters to every American Head that we CIA. get this right. And uh, America's place in the world matters, West and we Point, should defend it first in class. Well, President Trump has already announced that he's going to run again. Former is Secretary that, of State. Is that having any, any no. impact on your decision? None. None. You don't feel no. uh, disloyal taking no. him on if you decide to run against him? Oh, oh, goodness, no. When you run for president, you're making the case to the American people. So all the folks who decide to run on both sides of the aisle uh, will be presenting themselves, their ideas. They'll make arguments. I hope they'll speak in language that is fundamentally decent and speaks to the higher higher calling of America and is an optimistic message. So no, it won't matter to the Pompeos who else decides to run. Uh, we'll, we'll make that decision based on whether we think this is our moment. Well, Nikki Haley also says she's thinking about running, and she comes up in your book a couple of times. And in the book, you say that she she had reached out to, she had strongly hinted that maybe uh, she had 
tried to replace Mike Pence as vice president. She denies that. She says that it's a claim, and I want to quote her, she calls lies and gossips that you wrote in your book that you were trying to sell. That when you wrote that she, that you were told that she was trying to replace Mike Pence as vice president. Yeah, she so says that's just you, liar, liar, pants on fire, yeah. that that never happened. What Chief, do you say Chief Kelly that? told me it was true. I think Kellyanne Conway has confirmed that she thought it was true. But I didn't write about it for that reason. Why did you write I, about I wrote, it? I wrote that, that storyline because in the Trump administration, it, it was tough. Uh, the, the media was after us. They were trying to create a gap True. between you and the president every day. They were coming at all of us pretty hard. Yep. And so everyone was saying, get out, quit, run. Uh, Ambassador Haley didn't decide to stay. She decided to leave. When times were tough huh. and there were incredibly wow. dangerous places that America found itself, um, so many people on the team didn't How about stay. That? And, you know, she for me, decided every, day, to run. every day was a privilege to serve. I was the Secretary of State for a thousand days. Wow. I wasn't about to give up one single second of huh. it to focus on anything but doing Good my spin. duty to the country. But it did seem to be a lot of uh, fluid with the truth in the Trump administration. Would you agree with that? Get back to the book to here, Gail King. Uh, you might even find a time where you say, oh, Mike, I'm not sure you quite... We're clear. I, I try my best every day, and I did this as Secretary of State, too. I tried my best every day to, well, a CIA director, so we had to keep secrets. Yeah. But apart from that, uh, apart from that, I tried my best every day never to say anything that I did not know to be true. And if I couldn't speak about it, I just said, I'm sorry, I can't yeah, talk about that. We understand the secrets. It's, it's the outright lies that I think many people have problems no, with. No leader should ever do that. Uh, uh, no leader in church and a faith institution, no leader at the PTA meeting or school board, and no leader in Washington, D.C. In your book, you write very little about January 6th, but you did surprise me with this when you said that January 6th, you described the guy it as wants to uh, debate. calling it the day that the left wanted to exploit Randy Weingarten. Really he wants to take on the head of the teachers' union. Ask him about that. If, yeah, if they committed crimes, they should be convicted. Although I've said this for two and a half years now, however long it's been. Um, if you committed crimes, if you broke into the Capitol and committed violence, you should be prosecuted. I but, get that, but, but in the book, Mr. Secretary, yeah. you described it as a day that it was just exploited for yeah. Democrats. It, it, True. It has been exploited. It's absolutely been exploited by the left. Yes. I believe that firmly. I agree um, we, with that. We've had, we've had bad I like days Pop, in America yeah. before. That night ended in glory. That night ended in the United States of America completing its constitutional it process and confirming Still President Biden as the duly elected president of the United States. Uh, we should we should be proud of that, and we and we shouldn't use we, we shouldn't use violence in a political way. Whether that violence happens in the streets of Seattle or Minneapolis, wow. and violence happened because the people that day that uh, took over the what Capitol about Atlanta? that the election had been stolen. Yes, and many people believe that they were urged to go to the Capitol to protest the way they did because of Donald Trump. Do you believe the election was stolen? No, I don't believe the election was stolen, Gail. But I do think we have an enormous confidence. Give him credit for going on this people. show. Secretary Clinton continues to talk about her election. That's right. As having not, we have we have two now two consecutive elections. And by the way, in 2000 we had the hanging chads. You're, you'll remember That's that. That's right. We got to fix this. We've got to run election processes that are transparent so that people can have confidence. But in Donald Gail. Trump is still saying that. Have you told him maybe Look you should this. stop saying that? So he tries to do an interview. He knows exactly what I think about the election. The entire interview. Right. Where I think we got it right and where it's we not about it his book. I've, I've never talked about the election being stolen. Can I talk to you about classified documents? Because now oh we have a sitting God. president and a former president. Hey, he agreed yes. to the interview.
Have you looked in your own house? Do you have, are you worried about maybe they'll find classified documents at your place, in your gym, in your garage? And what do you think about this? Well, I don't have a Corvette in there. No. Uh, and so, <laughs> Good line. Uh, I, I, I don't think they will. But I'd say three things about this. And I write about this and never give an inch. I actually write about this. A book preceded uh, these issues, both at Mar-a-Lago and uh, in the, president, or the president's homes. Uh, if you have classified documents, handle them correctly. And if you find that you have in the wrong place, Take responsibility, take accountability, and turn them back in. Thank you. That's Mike Pompeo. Uh, listen, I think he'll be good for the race. I don't know. Maybe as a VP? Maybe as a president? I don't know. We'll have to hear. Folks, remember, you. we never know, to me, and I tell people this, until you see them up on the stage, you never know. It's Tuesday. You're listening to The John DePietro Show.